Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. And Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Monday, January 16th, 2023. Good morning and welcome back to another edition of Morning Air on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverins and producer Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be with you this morning. The start of the week here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I really do appreciate you being with us. Now, this is a big week for the pro-life movement, culminating with the National March for Life in Washington, D.C. this Friday. The first March for Life in D.C. since Roe v. Wade was overturned uh, this past summer. Now, joining uh, uh, us uh, uh, this coming uh, Friday will be a a ton of people who will be traveling uh, to D.C., but you can also join this new beginning by signing up to pray and fast in solidarity with with the marchers at relevantradio.com slash fast and receive our free downloadable booklet, The Choice is Love, to help you answer the most pressing questions facing the abortion debate with compassion and church-grounded teachings. Join us this Friday for hashtag fast for life. You can sign up this morning at relevantradio.com slash fast. On Wednesday, uh, it's also the beginning of the week for Christian unity. This octave culminates with the Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul the Apostle next week. I want to bring in our Morning Air team, uh, Glenn and Sarah. Uh, Glenn, what are a few of the big stories that are making headlines on this Monday morning? Well, Martin Luther King Jr. Day today means uh, no school for most kids. Uh, a lot of government offices are shut down, DMVs, libraries, city offices, and the like. You may want to call ahead if you have things going on. Uh, no regular mail delivery today. Uh, banks... Uh, some closed, some open. The New York Stock Exchange, NASDAQ, closed today, uh, although uh, most of your favorite stores and even ones you don't like will still be open. And uh, yesterday, uh, President Biden spoke at the Ebenezer Baptist Church, uh, the first time that a sitting U.S. president has uh, spoken from the pulpit at that historic uh, church where MLK uh, used to attend. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the president, a uh, great spot to to talk there. And uh, Senator Raphael Warnock is actually the, the pastor there currently. And uh, you're going to have a lot more uh, on the uh, famous uh, Martin Luther King, I Have a Dream speech coming up uh, in a special story quarter later this hour. Yeah, we'll have a snippet of that coming up uh, toward the end of the hour. Always good. And uh, we'll be joined here momentarily by uh, Deacon Martin Brown, who's going to be giving us uh, some of his uh, thoughts and perspective. Uh, Meanwhile, it was a big weekend, uh, wild card weekend in the NFL playoffs. Uh, The Bengals um, won over the Ravens 24-7. It was the Giants upsetting the Vikings 31-24. Giants uh, running back uh, Saquon Barkley with two touchdown runs on today, including the game winner as heard on Fox. Barkley muscling forward. Barkley, what an effort, and he is in. Touchdown, New York. Fourth and eight. Game on the line. Cousins, Hawkinson. He is not going to get there, and the Giants will take over. And in the other wild card game, the Bills got past the Dolphins 34-31. Josh Allen with three touchdown passes in that one to lead Buffalo. Uh, Glenn, I couldn't help but think of you. It had to be a little disappointing for the Viking fans. 
Oh, I tell you, you know, and when your team loses on national TV, I always think, oh, those announcers were for the other side. So I, I looked up the Fox announcers, the both Jersey <laughs> boys. No wonder they sounded so happy when the Giants won, my goodness. But by the way, John, how did your Bears do over the weekend? Ooh, oh, my goodness. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> uh, uh, Bear fans uh, are uh, getting ready for next year. <laughs> I guess all's fair in uh, love and football, right? So everyone's fair game. I didn't have any funeral music uh, queued up for the Vikings and the Dolphins and all the, the people that didn't make it for the next round. But, you know, hey, there's going to be one winner at the end, so it's exciting to find out who that will be. Exactly. Only only one team will be happy. And, and keep in mind, the Bears do have the number one pick in the draft uh, coming up. So. That's well, you, you hang on to that for a while, and <laughs> we'll hang on to the fact we got to play one whole week longer than uh, you know some other teams in the upper Midwest. Absolutely. Um, hey, another th- another battle though, not on the field, but in the the supermarket aisles. My goodness, the price of eggs going through the roof. So folks are looking uh, far and wide for eggs. As a matter of fact, archaeologists in Israel saw, found some eggs, prehistoric ostrich eggs, near an ancient fire pit that could be as old as seven thousand five hundred years old. Um, might have been collected by desert nomads who used that particular campsite. And uh, I don't know that they would be more uh, valuable than, you know, a dozen at the store these days. Well, just wondering, do you think they were cracking those over easy or do you think they scrambled them up? That would be interesting <laughs> if they archaeologists ever find out what was the preferred way to eat ostrich eggs and during that time. Well, I mean, most things they find are scrambled, perhaps. But, uh, <laughs> anyway. I've been making my own homemade egg McMuffin. Uh, to uh, bring here to the office every morning. So uh, uh, this reporter loves eggs, too. Well, you know, eggs are up. And so I've been telling my kids, hey, pick which day you want to have an egg because we don't have enough money to be buying eggs for every single day. So we (laughs) just have to be choosy about where you use those eggs. Sounds good. As always, uh, thanks, Sarah and Glenn. First things first, uh, we always start every morning, always in prayer, always giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. And on Mondays, we traditionally pray for the souls in purgatory. Pray for your family and friends who need our prayers. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit when we pray, Come, Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. You can find us on Twitter, at Morning Air Show, as well as on Facebook. And you can always send us an email directly, morningair at relevantradio.com. If you want to be part of the conversation this morning, 888-914-9149 is the number. Now, as we've been talking about, today is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. It's a national holiday here in the U.S. Listen to the famous words of Dr. King in, in part of his speech at the Lincoln Memorial in front of more than 250,000 at the March on Washington, D.C. in 1963, in which he called for civil and economic rights and the end of racism in the U.S. Even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream. 
that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. We have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood? I have a dream. Powerful, powerful words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who was a scholar and a minister who led the civil rights movement. After his assassination on April 4th, 1968, he was commemorated on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Joining us live this morning from Gary, Indiana, is Deacon Martin Brown to talk about the message of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and where we are in terms of race relations, both in our nation and the church. Deacon Martin is from Gary, Indiana. He was named named after Blessed St. Martin de Porras. He's married to Maria. He is the father of three and was ordained uh, as a permanent deacon in 2009 in the Diocese of Gary, Indiana. Good morning, Deacon Martin. Welcome back to Morning It's Great to be with you once again. Thanks for joining us uh, on this special day. Good morning, John and crew. Good to be with you. Um, Deacon, um, can you talk about the, the significance of uh, this day, of Martin Luther King Jr. Day, especially in these times when our nation uh, so much needs uh, unity and healing uh, more than ever before? Well, it's, um, it's, it's not just a holiday, but it's a day of service where everyone should try and go out and do something that helps change someone's life. Um, you know, we have to find ways to... Um, help each other and look out for each other. And, you know, as Lester Holt says every night, take care of ourselves and take care of each other. Uh, I want to invite our, our uh, uh, listeners, if you, if you have uh, any thoughts or comments uh, on, on this day for Deacon Martin about uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, uh, about race relations in our nation, we're taking your calls at 888 um, now, we heard that little excerpt uh, from uh, Dr. King's famous I Have a Dream speech. Uh, obviously, it's, it's a powerful, uh, such a historic uh, and memorable speech. Uh, but many people always focus on the end of the speech without taking a look at the whole context of the, of the speech from the very beginning, Deacon. Now, that, that's true, John, because if you don't look at the beginning of the speech, you don't understand where the dream comes from and wh- why he's talking about this dream and why he's asking for America to change. So, you know, in the beginning of the speech, he outlines um, three, three points where he says 100 years ago, and he's talk- what he's talking about is during the Civil War at the end of slavery, just end of slavery, and, you know, this year is the 60th anniversary of the speech. Um, so it would be 160 years since he said these words. But then he said 100 years ago, and he was talking in 1863. That's when the Emancipation Proclamation was issued um, on January 1st. And, you know, two years later, in December of 1865, the 13th Amendment was issued, which ended slavery. I find it fascinating, and I think it's such a good point uh, that so many people focus on the end of the speech. But at the beginning, he sets the tone in his speech by talking about the Emancipation Proclamation. What, what basically, can you give us sort of a, of a, of a thumbnail of what uh, Dr. King said about it? Um, he, 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 he just he used that as, as his start, as his jumping off point because that would that, you know that would again that he was that was September of 1963, so that would have been. 
the year of the 100th anniversary of that proclamation being issued by Abraham Lincoln, which freed the slaves in states and territories that were in open rebellion against the Union. So it didn't necessarily free all the slaves. So there are parts of the United States where the, um, which were under Union control where there were slaves. They, they still remained under um, in slavery. Yesterday, uh, to get uh, prepared to, to talk with you uh, here this morning, uh, Deacon Martin, I, I read the speech uh, pretty carefully and uh, underlined some of the key uh, parts of the speech. It's, it's a very powerful speech, but one of my favorite parts, uh, Deacon, is when Dr. King said, I have a dream uh, that my uh, four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of of their character. I mean, I think that those are such powerful words, such a powerful reminder for all of us in this day and age. Well, yeah, I mean, that affects all, all aspects of life. You know, when, when you go to get a loan for a car, you're given a higher rate because when you come in and they see that you're black, um, there's been plenty of cases where they send a white person in and a black person in, and they get two different deals, you know, um, and this still goes on. And so when you go to get a mortgage for a home, um, when it comes to the way banks lend money. I mean, if you want to change America, have the financial institutions really change how they lend money. And that, that will change because in America, how you build real wealth is through real estate. And when you look at where people of color live, those are the places that banks don't lend, readily lend money and don't want to invest in. And as soon as they do, those whole, they're, they're, everything changes in those areas. You can look at the near west side of Chicago and look at how that area changed you know, under Mayor Daley when they started when they started investing money there. Deacon Martin, do you think that that uh, we still got a long way to go in terms of race relations? But do you think we've made some real progress uh, since the days of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.? Yes, we made progress. Um, I mean, there's I mean, there's no doubt that things have changed. I mean, there are more educational opportunities. There are even still. Um, you can live places where once upon a time you couldn't live, and we're how we live and how we interact with each other is not necessarily as segregated as it once was, but still the most segregated time in America is Sunday morning when everybody goes off to their little um, corner to worship God, and, and we all call ourselves Christians, but we don't want to necessarily be together. You know, when you think about it, we've, we've, uh, we've uh, again, we, we've, we've had uh, great moments to be able to celebrate in terms of race relations. We had the first black president uh, there's uh, black leaders in virtually every walk of life. So in many ways, and it's so easy to forget these things, we really have made progress. And, and you know, and that's true. I mean, even the church, you know, the church has made, made its strides. You know, it wasn't until 1967 when um, blacks were allowed to attend seminary in the United States. Prior to that, the only place they would go to was um, the SVD seminary in Bay St. Louis, um, Miss Mississippi, but you know, there, it was always a struggle for African Americans who had a desire to be priests where they would actually be, um, you know, where, where, where could they go to study? You know, and, and once they be, well, even when they were ordained, they were not allowed to run parishes. Um, Augustus Tolton was an exception, you know, he was given a parish when he when he moved back, but. Father Charles' uncles, when he was ordained, he was relegated to teaching in seminary. He was not allowed to be a pastor in a parish. We're joined this morning by Deacon Martin Brown, permanent deacon for the Diocese of Gary, Indiana. Uh, deacon Martin, um, 
in uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, f- famous letter from the Birmingham jail, he said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Um, his niece, uh, Alveda King, has reminded us that there is no greater injustice uh, than abortion, especially in the black community. And that is true. I mean, um, um, disproportionately, when you look at the eugenics movement, um, which is still with us today, you know, it was all about limiting what they what they considered um, people of lesser social status from reproducing, whether they were um, people of color or people who were considered to be mentally ill or mentally defected. Those people they, they were targeted, and so we carried that forward through abortion. And we, you know, um, other governmental policies that um, limit that limit the way the um, African American families grow and the way we're unified and the way we exist with one another. Deacon Martin, when we reflect back on um, the work of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., um, can you talk a little bit about his his fight for equality? How was it different from other leaders and other movements? Um, I don't, I don't know. If, I don't know if there's a, I mean, I don't know about the difference. I mean, there's, you know, I was thinking about the relationship between Martin Luther King and Billy Graham. And a lot of times people say, you know, Billy Graham didn't do enough, but him and Dr. King had a very good relationship. And, you know, Billy Graham wanted to be out there in the streets with, with, with Dr. King marching. And Dr. King said, no, I need you in the boardrooms. And and in the seats of power, changing things. Well, I changed things from truth. So these two men were working in concert together to change America spiritually from two different perspectives. One is behind the scenes, and one is highly visible. We don't see the meetings that Billy Graham was in. We see Dr. King walking down the street. We see him getting hit with rocks, and uh, people. You see people in the streets getting hit with water hoses and things of that nature. We don't, but we don't see anything like that with Billy Graham. But he made great. Um, strides and changing things from behind the scenes. Yeah, one of the the really uh, moving parts of uh, Dr. King's famous "I Have a Dream" speech is the the very end of the speech, where uh, he invokes uh, the day when all of God's children, uh, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, "Free at last, free at last," uh, which is so much in line uh, with uh, uh, the seventeenth chapter of the Gospel of John that we may all be one as. Uh, Jesus and the Father are one. It's so fitting that we celebrate this uh, day of, of Dr. Martin Luther King uh, on the same week that we begin uh, the week of uh, Christian unity in the Catholic Church. And that is true. I mean, um, I have a long-term research project called The Voices of Our People Past and Present. And right now I'm, 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 I'm researching slavery, which slavery has existed for about 4,000 years. And it takes... Um, many different faces, many different names. And it's always been with us. It's always been an accepted part of culture. It's kind of a recent thing where people have kind of said, well, slavery is not a good thing. Because when you look at antiquity, there, there's nothing really where people say slavery is bad the way we're saying it's bad now. So this is a change moving us towards that. And I'm not, I'm not, I haven't really kind of figured out where the change began, but I do know, you know, within the church, you had Pope um, Leo, Pope, I'm sorry, not Leo, Pope, 
Paul III, who issued in the 17th century, issued an uh, uh, encyclical that said basically it was not okay to enslave indigenous people in the Americas. And so that's kind of a point where we get a voice where it's kind of changing. You know, St. Augustine, you know, he had some of his people in the 6th century um, release their slaves as a point of piety. So you can you kind of see something there where people say, well, maybe slavery's not so good. Um, Deacon Mark, your final uh, thoughts on the significance uh, of this day, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I just think it's a day where we should all go out and, and do some kind of some type of public service, some kind of a community service. Not just take it as a day where I don't have to go to work and you know, do something for the greater good of building God's kingdom on earth. Because that's what you I mean. If, we, if you call yourself a Christian, I don't care if you're Catholic or Protestant, if you call yourself a Christian, your job, your responsibility, first and foremost, is to get up and live your life every day in the ways and teachings of Jesus Christ. And that's really what it's all about at the end of the day, and that's what we do here at Relevant Radio, bringing Christ to the world through the media. Deacon Brown, so much appreciate you being with us here this morning. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. God bless. Have a good year. God bless you, too. Deacon Martin Brown, permanent deacon in the Diocese of Gary, Indiana. We need to take a short break when Morning Air continues. Catholic speaker and journalist Kate Wicker will join us to talk about making peace with your body, freeing women from the unrealistic beauty standards and some New Year's resolutions. So stay with us here on this Monday as Morning Air continues on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. For the victors won, even some will have to face physical death. But if physical death is the price that some must pay to free their children from a permanent psychological death, then nothing shall be more redemptive. We shall overcome. And I'll tell you why. We shall overcome because the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. This is Morning Air. Your home for faith, fun, and news in the morning. Jump into the conversation. Call 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. And welcome back to Morning Air. Thanks so much for joining us on this Monday morning. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance and Sarah Tafoya. I'm glad that you could be with us. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life is from 1 Peter 3.15. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who calls you to account for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and reverence. As Catholic Christians, we need to always be prepared to give a reasoned explanation for what we believe and why we believe it. There is no doubt there will be situations uh, when someone asks you, why do you believe that Mary is the mother of God or that the Eucharist is the body and blood of Christ? We need to be able to uh, give answers. We need to be ready to give answers with charity and clarity, with gentleness and respect from whoever challenges us about our faith. So know your faith. Faith, know what scripture, tradition, and the catechism teaches, but always do it with respect. And we always pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. 
Now, how are you doing with your New Year's resolutions? Here we are in the 16th day of the, of the new year. We're a little over the midway point through January here in this new year. As we are trying very hard to keep our New Year's resolutions going, the mainstream media or just marketing campaigns can bombard us with messages that pressure, especially women, to have unrealistic beauty standards and at the same time an unhealthy healthy body image. Joining us live this morning is Catholic journalist and speaker Kate Wicker, a morning air regular contributor to talk about how we can make peace with our body, freeing women from unrealistic beauty standards and uh, New Year's resolutions. Kate is a wife, a mom of five, a bibliophile, a marathon runner, eating disorder survivor, and a perfectionist in recovery. Uh, Kate's also the author of Getting Past Perfect, How to Find Joy and Grace in the Message messiness of motherhood and uh, weightless, making peace with your body. And she's also a health columnist for Catholic Digest. Our number, if you want to be part of the conversation, again, 888-914-9149. Good morning, Kate. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be with you once again here in the new year. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Well, Kate, uh, there's no doubt that there's uh, many women out there that are uh, weighed down by the thought that they're just not thin enough, they're not pretty enough, young enough, or good enough. Can you talk a little bit about how uh, the media and, uh, you know, marketing companies are are trying to discourage women and and their body image with all these unrealistic beauty standards? Yes, um, I, I tend to get very fired up about this topic, so especially it's very triggering during the this this new year's time because it seems like everybody kind of ramps it up not just companies but individuals too talking about it on social media and the like about how they're doing this detox or they're going to do some 30-day program or they're you know this is going to be the year they finally achieve the um, body of their their dreams and their desires and uh, my big issue with it is, number one, you a lot of women don't really consider, and men, all individuals don't consider that it's a multi-million dollar industry that makes a lot of money off people, you know, striving for this physical self-improvement. And if there was this magical plan that truly worked and gave people the body of their dreams and their satisfaction, then there would be one company it would be very rich and that would be the end of it. But in a lot of ways, they want people to continue to fail because then they will keep on trying new things. I mean, I was just at, um, for Christmas dinner, my godmother and my aunt, whom I adore, she um, said that she was going to you know, go out with a bang and enjoy the Christmas dinner and then get back on counting her, her, her Weight Watcher points. And I, it just, to me, is just such a sad way to live when so many of us fall into the trap of pursuing weight control, or perhaps it's this muscular physique, or um, just trying to be um, thinking about their food uh, or losing weight as, as a way to feel complete and whole. And because when we do that, anything that we pursue that's worldly in a way to become complete and whole, that's when we become ruled by and obsessed with food and the scale or whatever it is, whether it's our job, instead of recognizing that Um, we're a beloved daughter or child of God, and that is where our true identity lies. And he did not create this cookie-cutter 
you know, variety where this one physical aesthetic is better than all of the others. And what we also have to realize is that's constantly changing. I'll never forget one day when I had been out with some of my girls and one of my teenagers said, mom, um, my, one of my friends said you were so thick. And I said, thick. And cause I grew up in the, the Kate Moss, like thin was better. And of course I had an eating disorder and I just didn't completely understand. I said, what do you mean by thick? And she said, Oh no, that's a compliment. Like, muscular and curvy and thick. And I, I, you know, I thought at that moment, I thought, well, why are we pushing one aesthetic over another? And then I thought my health things have changed because when I was a teenager, it was all about fighting puberty and curves and everything and trying to stay as real thin as you could for your entire life. And now it's being thick and muscular and curvy. And I, I read an article recently that that's changing, that it's gravitating towards thinness again. I mean, it's just constantly changing and we're following this you know, moving target to feel whole and accepted and beautiful instead of turning to our, our faith. And, and diets just, there's been so much research. They just don't work. They might work temporarily. And so many people talk about, um, oh, but, you know, I'll feel better physically and I'll feel better, um, I'll look better physically. But at what cost? Um, I've seen dieting hurt communities because women or other individuals following a strict diet are afraid to go and join social events or church potlucks because they're not, they're afraid that the food they want to eat or need to eat, they think they need to eat, won't be there. I've seen dieting hurt families um, where, uh, you know, a mother is complaining so much about it that their children just think that's normal and then they start to worry about their weight. And I'll tell you right now, I still sometimes struggle with it. So what I have told my children as I've been very honest is that Mommy doesn't see herself the way God does. And if I say something about myself looking bad in a picture or something that is negative, I want you to recognize that that's not healthy. And um, I think by being honest with them, they know that that's not the norm. They And, and I, one thing I have done is I never will go on a diet. I will never. I eat what I want. I try and, um, you know, not associate eating with um, feelings of guilt. Uh, I know it's a blessing that we can break bread at the table together. Um, and everything, you know, comes to us as a gift and we need to recognize that. And there might be some listeners thinking, well, what about gluttony? What about gluttony? I think in this society, we suffer way more from um, being gluttons of the new dieting program or detox that there's so much more, um, gravitation towards that and also towards fat stigma. People who are overweight, we assume things about them instead of recognizing that they're a beloved child of God. And one of the reasons they may be overweight is because it's been shown that diet cycling and yo-yo dieting is more unhealthy than being consistently overweight for your life. Um, And there's been research and science that shows that I have another example recently. I have a very um, petite friend who went in, and she has some um, genetic cholesterol issues, and so her cholesterol is a little high. And she said, do you know that I know that if I was overweight, the first thing they would have told me to do was to lose weight. But instead, they said, oh, this is genetics. You're doing everything fine. And so there can be a stigma in the medical community. And so all of these things we need to fight against and really see people through God's eyes. Yes, take care of these temples of the Holy Spirit. But there's a difference between self-love and um, self-compassion and total self-control and hating ourselves and falling into the next diet trap. Not to mention 
all the time and energy we waste. We could be detoxing from gossiping or detoxing from um, all these other more harmful things in our life rather than detoxing from something that in the long run really isn't going to make us a better person. Kate, um, some of the images that we see uh, in the media, in the mainstream media and social media, they're just unrealistic. People don't look airbrushed like they do on the cover of some of these magazines and yet in so many ways these are the images and sort of the role models that so many uh, uh, young women and, and even men uh, look up to. Yeah and it, it is, it's so true now just anyone can um, find an app and make their face or carve off you know something on their arm if they don't like it you know of blemishes there's all these free apps so we have no idea what we're consuming a lot of times from the covers of the magazines to just our social media feed. Um, people can, you know, pick out the, the, the best quality photo. Um, and I don't want to shame anyone in particular, but I recently mentioned to my husband, I said, oh, have you seen so-and-so? You know, she, the celebrities lost so much weight. And first of all, I hate that I was con- being involved in that conversation because someone like Adele, who has a beautiful voice, as soon as she loses weight, that's the headline instead of what a great singer she's always been, you know, it becomes about, Oh, what is, what's her secret? And we take away from their humanity and from their other gifts and talents and turn them sort of into this object. But at any rate, I said something about a certain celebrity and he said, Oh yeah, I just saw something in the news. And then I saw how she's also been photoshopping all of her things and taking this drug that's only designed for diabetics, but in Hollywood people it's working. So in Hollywood, a bunch of people are taking it now because um, they can get access to it. And so, it's, so number one, they're getting access to things that the rest of us don't have. Number two, they are um, editing their photos. And number three, as a society, that becomes what we're obsessed with instead of their sense of humor or their talent as a writer or their other talents. And that's just really sad because there's so much more to humanity than our outer shell. Kate, I know this is a, an issue uh, and a topic that you are so passionate about. You've spoken about it at conferences. You've written about it extensively. How has your experience as an aerobics instructor and a marathon runner helped you to better understand some of these unrealistic uh, so-called beauty standards and helped you make peace with your body? Yeah, um, First off, I haven't taught aerobics in a really long time. So when I did in college, you know, and I actually wasn't very good at it. So let's throw that out there. I was much better at boot camp than doing the dance steps that were popular when I was younger because I'd look at myself in the mirror and totally mess up. But um, as far as running, um, you know, I had to really make peace with that, too, and recognize that running for me is a joy and it's my playground. It's not a proving ground. It's not about um you know, winning races or whittling my, myself down to a certain physical um, appearance. And I also do recognize that I do have thin privilege, even though, um, you know, I've naturally gained weight as I've gotten older and, and I don't weigh myself, but I just know. And um, I still occupy my natural physique is a thinner physique. So I do have that sort of thin privilege, but I, re- I really try and with women um, just to encourage them to find a joyful movement. It doesn't have to be running. It doesn't have to be aerobics or boot camp or anything. It can be gardening. It can be something. I do believe that if we are able-bodied, God created us to move our bodies. So can we have living room dance parties with our children? Um, maybe you find that you really, really enjoy weight training or um, some sort of um, Pilates or there's all these bar classes. There's so many options for us now. 
or I have a friend who just loves to be outside and hike in nature. So find something that it provides joyful movement for you. My mom, who's in her 70s and has does have some physical issues, she used to be very athletic, but she has a lot of neurological things going on that affect her balance, and so she can't do as much as she used to, but she's discovered that she loves pickleball, and she said, you know what, I'm not very good at it, but it's brought me so much joy and community, and so that's something that she found in her 70s. So, you know, just keep looking. We are meant to – you don't have to be a marathon runner. I find a lot of joy in that. My husband thinks I'm a freak and a weirdo for liking to run that long. Um, so, you know, that's that's my thing. But everybody can – and I, I'll say right now, I do not do it to change my body. If, I, if that's the reason I did running, I would have quit a long time ago because my body has stayed the same for a really long time. It's not about changing my body. It's about a community of runners being together. It's about moving my body. It's about – having something outside of motherhood, which is so wonderful and fulfilling. But I think as mothers, we also need to show our children that we're not just excited excited about our children's lives, but we're excited about our own lives and find some passions and some things um, to, to so they see what, like, wow, this, my mom is this whole person that pursues these things, but it certainly shouldn't be dieting. <laughs> that should not be our thing that, that brings us passion or joy or a feeling of self-accountability accomplishment outside of being a mother. So find something joyful if you're able. Also, if you're someone who does like social media, try and cleanse your feed of anything that could be triggering. Even some of these well-meaning fitness, um, uh, different fitness accounts, I had to stop following because the algorithm would then think that I was trying to look at before and afters. So I started following, for instance, a woman that is in a wheelchair um, and just to see how we all experience our bodies and our physical selves in different ways and people of all different um, shapes and sizes. So you won't be kind of stuck on this, um, like this is the one way to look. This is the one brand of, of beauty um, that I should be striving for. You want to see the, the diversity that God has created in this beautiful world. Well, Kate, I love your passion. You have educated me here this morning. I had never heard of a thin privilege, but uh, I, I can understand uh, where you're coming from. Actually, I used to run uh, back uh, when I was much younger, uh, cross country and track uh, along with baseball. So I, I can uh, sort of relate. Some people are just built for running and others are built for other things. Exactly. I mean, people actually, when they see me, sometimes think I'm a gymnast because I'm shorter and or a swimmer. So I don't really have a long distance body necessarily, but I've been able to do it and do it fairly well. Not that that matters. And that's what I love. So it doesn't matter what my body dictates. And um, yeah, there's there there is that that privilege. I mean, I just know from talking to people um, with that occupy larger bodies and just some of the assumptions made. Um, it's just, it's just sad. I, I read a story once about a woman who went to the doctor. I'll tell you what, one of, let's pain. leave that story for, for the, uh, yeah, the other side of the break. Course. We need to take a really short time out. I want to invite our listeners. If you have any, uh, thoughts or, or questions, uh, on making peace with your body, uh, uh, we're talking about some of these unrealistic beauty standards. We'd love to hear from you. We're taking your calls for Catholic author and speaker, Kate Wicker at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. We're going to take a, a short time out as we continue our conversation with Kate. Stay with us. There's much more to come.
This is Morning Air, your home for faith, fun, and news in the morning. Jump into the conversation. Call 888-914-9149. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us as uh, we continue our conversation with Catholic speaker and journalist Kate Wicker. We're talking about making peace with your body, freeing women from unrealistic beauty standards and New Year's resolutions. Uh, Kate, uh, in your book, Weightless, Making Peace with Your Body, you shared some personal stories and some spiritual tools uh, to help Folks and especially women uh, deal with some of these uh, struggles. Can you share a, a few of uh, those uh, tools uh, for our listeners this morning? Yeah, I think one of the most important things you can do is it kind of sounds kind of cheesy, but to come up with some affirmations, um, something spiritual would really help. Like I am made in the image of God, not the image of Hollywood, not the image of Instagram, and just repeat those to yourself and just recognize that you have so much more to offer the world than skin and then the number on the scale. Another sort of common thing that can apply to all different sorts of things that we struggle with in our life, sort of making the center is you are not a number. You are not the size of your clothes. You are not um, the number on the scale. You are not um, the amount of money in your banking account. You are not your, if you're a student, your grade point average. You are so much more than these numbers that we sort of let um, society uh, define us as. And, you know, we live in a society that is very focused on self-improvement and um, accomplishments and, and weight loss and things like that can feel like an accomplishment. But what we are called to do as Catholics is to bring love into the world. And that doesn't require a perfect body or a six pack abs or whatever, or a, you know, postpartum body where you immediately lose the softness. I mean, my little Charlie likes to cuddle with me, I think, because I have the softness. So sort of embrace the body that God has given you, take care of it, do the best you can to um, fuel it properly, but don't let your food choices be dictated or colluded with diet culture. Like what truly makes you feel good? It's okay to have a, a piece of chocolate or a, a, I remember a friend told me she hadn't asked her husband to put an, a candle and an apple for her birthday. And then she realized this is ridiculous. I want a piece of cake on my birthday because she didn't want to stray from her, you know, no sweets or whatever. I mean, celebrate your birthday, celebrate um, the joy in your life and um, just turn to God when you're feeling, when you feel like you're getting tempted to um, berate your flesh and to uh, define yourself as an object rather than an instrument to do God's will and to bring love into the world. Well, Kate, I so much appreciate uh, your uh, perspective as a mom and as a, as a, an athlete, a marathon runner. You really bring a lot of credibility uh, to this issue. Thanks so much for being with us uh, this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me. God bless. God bless you too. Many blessings. Kate Wicker, author, speaker, marathon runner, and health columnist for Catholic Digest, as well as a uh, morning air contributor. We uh, now take time for yet another episode of Glenn Story Corner. And a special Story Corner today to honor the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. 
It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama with its vicious racists, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, one day right there in Alabama little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted. And every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain. And the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is a faith that I go back to the south with. With this faith. We will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. This will be the day, this will be the day with all of God's children be able to sing with new meaning, my country tears of thee. Sweet land of liberty of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. And so let freedom ring. From the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire, let freedom ring. From the mighty mountains of New York, let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, 
Let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring, and when this happens, and when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on his holiday today on Relevant Radio. And Glenn, those words are timeless. What a powerful, powerful speech. Uh, so relevant uh, for this day and age. Absolutely, absolutely. Some 60 years on, and uh, you wonder what he'd think of the situation today. We still need to put those words into action. Absolutely. My favorite part is not being judged by the color of one's skin, but by the content of one's character. Just a great, great reminder. As always, thanks so much, Glenn. Yeah, sure thing. Coming up next hour on Morning Air, our spiritual director, Father Burke Masters, uh, will begin a new series uh, on morality, virtue, and freedom. And our career coach, Bruce Lockenauer, will be with us uh, to give us the, the latest update on the job market and a New Year's present uh, for you and your family. So stay with us. There's much more to come in the final hour of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. <laughs> 